Um, Our scripture for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 22, verses 1 through 22. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As a high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, Suddenly, a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away from the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe seated. Heavenly Father, we are asking you that the words of this testimony from the life of your chosen Apostle Paul would transcend time and space and speak right to our hearts and stories and situations in this room and in every room gathered, joining this gathering right now. God, I pray that you would embolden people to not view this as a moment in history, but an invitation we are called to step into along with Paul to be a witness for the glory of your name. God, we want more than anything for stories where 
the light shines and we, and we see you for who you are. We want those to happen in real time today, God, but that will not happen because I say the right thing the right way or make the right argument or articulate this with a certain style. It will happen because your Holy Spirit is illuminating Jesus. So do that today, God. Do that through a broken, sinful leader and help me to articulate the glorious grace that is found in Jesus. We give you our attention, our affection right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm not going to preach long. Very simple word today. If you were here last week, you got to see Paul arrested in Jerusalem violently. He almost died. He gets knocked unconscious and carried out. And we talked about how to live in such a way that the approval of God on the inside out keeps your soul at peace even if the approval of man falls away. Even if you lose the approval of the people you want it from the most, it is possible to be okay and to have your soul remain whole when you're in right relationship with God. Now, Paul's going to get the opportunity to give a defense in front of some of these people who wanted to kill him in Jerusalem. And when he does it, he chooses to tell the story of his conversion from Acts chapter 9. And he does it in a way where he's testifying as a witness to the grace of God. And that's why the title of this sermon is called Witnesses to God's Grace. And we're going to talk simply about what Paul is doing as a witness, not necessarily all the details of his conversion story. So if you're just joining in this series, we've been in Acts for almost a year. And I think it was this summer, Gage preached a sermon called The Apostle Paul about Acts chapter 9 that covers all the details of him becoming blind and Jesus appearing to him and then him going from persecuting Christians in Damascus to having this meeting with this guy Ananias and being baptized. And you can see all the details on that. I'm not really trying to dive fully into the details of Paul's story. I want to talk about the fact that what he's doing as his defense is recounting what God has already done because he hasn't forgotten in fact, he talks about it all the time. Why? Because he's following the very words of Jesus from Acts chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. I just want to remind us that this is where this whole conversation began when Jesus told, that, he told his disciples, this is what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit goes out. It said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is going to really rewind the clock for you, but this was the verse we preached on in week one of this building, March 19th, 2023. Can y'all believe we have almost been in this building for one year? That is insane to me. And we're still in the same series. You got to love that. And we're not, not even close to being done. So <laughs> kind of close. But when you think back to this moment in Acts, this moment really set the vision for everything we have been reading for the better part of 11 months. And Jesus says, the function of the Holy Spirit going out isn't just to make you have these weird feelings or just to connect you to God. The function of the Holy Spirit is a power that has a purpose attached to it, which is you're going to witness, you're going to talk about what you have seen and what you have heard, and you're going to have a power within you enabling you to do that right here in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's interesting about Acts is all of that has already happened. The gospel has gone all the way out and now it's circling and coming all the way back to Jerusalem in the context of Paul witnessing to what happened to him. Go to verse 14. Look at what he says. He said, then he said, 
The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his what? Witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. This is Ananias talking to Paul on behalf of the Lord, saying, Paul, you have been set apart to know the will of God and to articulate the wonders of the grace of God by being a witness. And you're going to go from here and you're going to tell everybody what you have seen and what you have heard. That's what witnesses do. They articulate, okay, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, this was my personal experience. The interesting thing that I never knew until studying this passage this week is Paul actually made some assumptions about what that witnessing was going to look like that were not accurate. Go to verse 17. I've never seen this before. Paul said, when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Testimonies are what witnesses give. But Jesus is going, you got to leave Jerusalem because they're not going to accept you here. Watch what Paul says in verse 19. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Are y'all seeing what's happening here? Paul is pushing back against the voice of Jesus. I wouldn't say he's arguing He's trying to catch up and he's like, I got to leave Jerusalem because they're going to reject me. Hold on, hold on. Wait, Jesus, you do know my story, right? If anybody has a story that's going to make the Jews accept Jesus, it's me. I was one of them chasing down believers. I was there holding the coats of those who were murdering the first martyr other than Jesus, Stephen. Like if anybody has a story that's gonna speak to these people, it's me. What do you mean go far away to the Gentiles? And I love that Jesus doesn't even respond to the pushback. He's like, go, you're going regardless because I make these calls and you're gonna go far away and become my instrument to the Gentiles. And it's interesting, in the early church, Peter becomes the primary voice to the Jews in Jerusalem, and Paul becomes the church-planting voice to the Gentile Greco-Roman world. Miles, what do you want me to get from this? Y'all don't miss this. I want you to get that Paul came to understand something you and I have to come to understand. It is not our job to tell God how to use our story. It is our job to tell our story. It's not your job to negotiate with God about how he uses what you've been through or what you're going through. It is your job to faithfully be a witness wherever God places you. And for Paul, there's some assumptions with his conversion that go, okay, this story would fit perfectly for this group of people. Great, I got it. Wait, hold on, what? I'm leaving and they're not going to accept it? And it's interesting that even in the moment that we're reading about right now in Acts chapter 22, Paul is trying to witness to these very things. And at the end of the account, it says they rejected him when the Gentiles got brought up and said, rid the earth of him. 
Now, good news, they're not going to kill Paul in Acts chapter 22. Paul's actually going to explain that he's a Roman citizen, so you can't just kill a Roman citizen on a whim. They have to go through a full trial. So he's going to stay imprisoned and go through all these different trials and moments where he gets an opportunity to testify. But the thing I wanted you to see is that for Paul, the method of witnessing looked like wherever God takes me and whatever I have to go through, my job is to tell the story of what God has done in my life. You're not the Apostle Paul, but you do have a story. And you, like the disciples in Acts chapter 1, are a part of the remnant on mission, the local church who are called to be witnesses for the glory of God. ACC, look at me. Witnessing can look like a lot of different things, but at a bare minimum, a Christian has been called by God to articulate the story of what the grace has done in his or in her life for their entire life. Primarily, on a baseline level, you have been called by God to articulate what you have seen and heard. You might not be an apologetics expert. You might not be able to explain, was Jonah really in the whale? Or was the flood a worldwide flood or a local flood? Or all the arguments that, that come up when you read the scriptures. But you do know how to say, hey, this is what my life looked like previously. And this is what Jesus has done in and through my life. And if you are a Christian, within the sound of my voice, you have been tasked with this mission. Are you committed to telling your story? And the problem for so many of us is that, and there's probably only a small number of us who have really been challenged to do what I'm challenging you to do today. And there's an even smaller amount who are actually doing it consistently in real time. The sermon is so simple today. I want you to have the knowledge and do the work to be aware of what God's done in your story And I want you to give God glory through your story by talking about it when he calls you to talk about it. That's today's sermon, totally and completely. And I'll I'll be real with you about this. This is a very ACC-centric sermon. So if you're visiting, this is a great sermon to check out who we are. If you're from out of town, hopefully this applies to your context. But at ACC, we are all about telling stories. If you come to a baptism gathering, you'll notice we ask at whatever age If you are prepared to do the homework, to stand in front of thousands of people and at a minimum say, Jesus wins my life and my story, and here's what that means for me. If you come to a staff meeting or anything I get to lead, especially if you came on like a mission trip that I led, you'll notice that stories and being personal with connectedness is all about our DNA here. I want to know how people are really doing. I want to know what they're really going through. And I want them to get an opportunity to articulate, this is what God has done in and through my life. In fact, of every mission trip that I've been on, this has been the defining characteristic. When you get a team together to go to another country for a week or two, it's very impactful what happens in that country. But what I've found that's more impactful and more long lasting is that the team, when they're able to bond over stories that they didn't previously know, they go from looking at total strangers to feeling like family with people that they just spent a week and a half with. How does that happen? There's a connectedness to God and a connectedness to one another that happens in the context of storytelling that you will not get if you do not get bold enough to do the work and bold enough to proclaim it out loud. That's why In our membership process that just came out a couple weeks ago, isn't that crazy? You can be like a formal member of Auburn Community Church now. Well, not everybody. It just began with adults who are in community groups here in Auburn. And we started that really small because we knew when we started formal membership, there's probably going to be thousands of people who want to join this church. And I do think that is the case. But here's what's happened since we rolled it out. A lot of people have looked at how long that process is and gone, I'll get to this later. 
or, oh my gosh, that's way more invasive than I thought it was going to be. And we tried to put as much content as we could on there because we don't want being a member here to just be, okay, I, I, I agree with all the beliefs and I'll sign the thing and whatever. We want you to participate somehow. But the part that I think is the hardest for a lot of people is the tell your story part. Because we want our people to have a moment with someone on leadership in this church to just go, hey, here's what God has done in my life. And that's not a tryout to like prove something about your story one way or the other. It's to go, hey, we know this is thousands of people, but we want this to feel like family. You should have an opportunity to articulate what God has done, even if that just begins with writing it out in the first place. Now, let me speak to the elephant in the room. Everybody do not miss what I'm about to say. I know we should have had this ready years ago. I know for a lot of you, this is annoying to have to do when you're like, I've been coming to this church for four years. Now, now I got to meet with somebody and share my story and do this. And this. I wish it was here four years ago. The reality is our leadership is catching up to what God has done and going, okay, we should have had this in place a long time ago. Now we do. Church-wide, I want you to know it has to be a discipline of our people to be aware of the story God has written in and through your life. And this isn't to do homework on you or to force you to do something that you don't want to do. This is for your your own discipleship and the extension of the kingdom of God in our day. Way more important than selling you on ACC, we want to get you pushed forward in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And if you are going to be a bold witness for the glory of God, and if you are going to allow Jesus to transform you from the inside out, it starts with an awareness of what the Spirit of God has done in your story. I'm talking about your family of origin. I'm talking about the worst storms of life and seasons that you've walked through. I'm talking about the moments and years that you ran in the opposite direction from God. What is your story and what would it look like to become more bold about articulating it time and time again? Here's what's great about knowing your story and saying it out loud. Nothing will keep you more readily grateful for the grace of God than remembering what he has saved you from. Look at Paul, the apostle Paul, the leader in the early church, stands up in Jerusalem and he's like, I have not forgotten what God saved me from. I have not forgotten that I was the guy who was holding the coats. You wanna know why he was holding the coats, by the way? It's because he was too young to actually participate in the stoning, but he wanted to participate that bad. So he's like, I'll watch y'all stuff while you go kill that guy. That's how zealous he was for the law and how much he wanted to destroy Christians. I love that no matter how much Paul grows and how great he becomes in the kingdom of God, he has not forgotten the grace it took to save him in the first place. But here's what I know. Some of y'all hear that and you go, amen, because you have a story like Paul's where your eyes were opened on a road to go and do something else and go in a different direction. But most of you don't have a story that cool. And what the enemy does with people like me and people like you is tells you your story's not as powerful because it wasn't like you were a million miles away and then rescued by the grace of God and no one's really gonna connect with your story and it doesn't really have that much power and value to it. Listen, I actually think it took more of God's grace to get a hold of my life at 13 years old and sustain me up until now at 35 years old than it took to change someone's life at 70 who'd been running their entire life. You know, the grace of God is not just the grace of God that forgives you in a moment when you get saved, but it's the same grace that sustains you over the course of a lifetime in following Jesus. Some of y'all have discounted the grace of God because the grace that saved you at seven is still sustaining you today. And that grace is somewhat more powerful than one that gets to somebody later in life. But watch, who's, who's getting the glory for that grace while you're sitting on the details of what you have deemed as unimportant? You have got 
to get bold enough about your story and knowledgeable enough about your story. And not, not just so that you can reach or encourage someone else, but so that Jesus can do the deep work in your heart and life. Nothing will keep you more aware of God's grace, but nothing will keep you more aware of what's needed from the grace of God in a current season. I can't tell you how often I will think about somebody else's story or what someone else is going through currently and then sort of interject myself into their story and I'll say things like, I could not imagine going through what they're going through. How many of y'all have said that before about somebody else? Maybe somebody in an impossible season, somebody who lost somebody, couples who are walking through infertility. You're like, I just, I don't know what we would do if we were in those shoes. And part of you feels an emptiness because you're like, I don't know if I would be able to delight in Jesus or be okay. I got so encouraged by a verse Paul wrote in Philippians where he said, this is at the end, he said, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I've never noticed this. Paul says, God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not your theoretical needs that you've projected onto someone else, but right where you are in your story right now. Maybe part of the reason we project ourselves into other people's stories and go, I I don't know if I would have the strength to go through that. You know why you feel that way? Because you don't have the strength to go through that. Because you don't need it. Because you're not in it. See, God lavishes his grace, but he wastes nothing. God's not going to give you the grace to go through a theoretical storm that somebody else is in. But if you talk to someone faithfully following Jesus in the most impossible situation, what do they say? It is so hard and I am so broken and sometimes I wonder how I'm gonna go on, but God has been so close. Somehow I'm okay. Somehow I'm still going. Why is that the case? Because God, who's working in a billion different ways in billions of people's lives, is extremely intimately personal. And he's near with riches of grace for your needs. Here's the thing, if you're not aware of where you are in your story, you will also be unaware of what the grace of God is trying to enable you with in the moment you're in right now. So we all have never even given two thoughts to where your feet are in life. That's why when we do stories at ACC, we we don't necessarily call them testimonies, because I think some of us grew up in churches where a testimony was just, before I met Jesus, then I met Jesus, after I met Jesus. We do what's called life maps, which just helps you go back into your heritage and your heroes and life's ups and downs and go, hold on, let me map the journey I've been on up until now so that I can project where God could be taking me in the future, but also so that I have an awareness of where I am in the story and can relate to God in real time. And I'm telling you, with an awareness of where you are in the story, your discipleship to Jesus will grow tenfold if you do some deep story work. All I'm trying to do today is convince you to be as prepared as Paul was the moment he got put on the spot. Tell us for the reason for the hope that you have. And scripture says every believer should always be equipped and prepared to give the reason for the hope that they have. If somebody right now, if I said, hey, we want to hear the story of what God's done in and through your life. I'm not talking about having a speech as long or as good as his. And I'm not talking about, hey, grab someone for coffee this week and sit them down in front of you and go, hey, hope you're ready for three hours of my biography. Here's my story. No, 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 no. 
I'm talking about equipping you with a preparedness to testify, even in a five-second window of I'm so aware of what God is doing in me, and I'm aware of the responsibility I have to say something about it. That's the whole sermon today. How do we get ACC united around stories? Because I think it would be amazing if we became a church of thousands of people who are equipped to know this is what the grace of God has done in me and I'm bold enough to actually talk about it. I want to give you three reasons to leave here today and do the deep story work that is required and then we will take communion. Number one, you need to become a witness to God's grace because you have to go back in order to go forward. You have to go back in order to go forward. This is something that we say often in emotionally healthy spirituality or in emotionally healthy relationships. If you've never been familiar with the work of Pastor Pete Scazzaro, it is phenomenal to consider that most Christians get to a space in their discipleship to Jesus where they hit a wall because they got converted in a moment, they started serving in their church, they joined a small group, which is all awesome stuff. But all that stuff is like, if you think of the image of an iceberg, it's all above the surface, stuff that everybody sees. And they never really do the deep unseen work of what was your family of origin like and and what sinful issues have you actually inherited, maybe from your parents, maybe from your grandparents that you need to confront and be transformed by God. What happened in your childhood that maybe has gone under-addressed. And, and, and if you've never done emotionally healthy relationships, we're actually starting one tomorrow night at 323 Airport Road, and I think it's almost full. So, and, and those will be started at our other locations over time. So just stay tuned on that. But you can buy the resources for yourself and start doing the work. The whole argument is you have to be willing to go back in order to go forward. There is a wall you are going to hit in your discipleship to Jesus if you never confront where you came from. And I am speaking that from personal experience. Guys, I have had more moments than I can count of powerful, intense worship in the presence of God. I have had quiet times consistently since I was 13 years old. I've sat under some of the greatest preaching in the world and still do through, thank you, Jesus, for podcasts. Some of y'all listen to me way too much. I need to show you guys who are really doing it well. And I mean, I've heard all the good teaching. I, I have like done all the things, but there is a level of knowing Jesus and freedom that came to my life personally when I confronted both families that I come from on my mom's side and my dad's side. My mom's maiden name, by the way, is Miles. So my name is literally the blending of two families. And I'm so grateful for the Fidel side of my family and the Miles side of my family that I come from, but oh my goodness, y'all. I inherited some issues that were thwarting my ability to become more like Jesus over time. And that is saying it very lightly. And some of you who, as you're responding with your face to what I'm saying, I can tell you did too. Because you come, even from the best families in this space, you come from brokenness. No one comes from a perfect space with a clean slate. But discipleship to Jesus, if it's just more content, or it's just more church services, or it's just more inspiration, I'm telling you, that's all above the surface. But when you do the deep work to go, I got to, at a minimum, write out where I came from, you're going to notice freedom to get where you're going moving forward when you confront the things that you've been ignoring for so long. So doing story work is not just about, hey, make sure you're ready if you ever have to give a speech and make sure you're going to become a member of ACC and give your story. No, 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 no. This is about the deep work of Christ being formed in you that will never happen if you never actually take the time to do this stuff. You have to go back in order to go forward, number one. Number two, Personal connections are more impactful than church invitations. 
Personal connections are more impactful than church invitations. The reason why we believe in storytelling is this is our evangelism plan. We always tell people our evangelism plan at ACC is not to get everybody in a room or watching on YouTube and go, oh, Miles said it the right way, now they can respond. Our evangelism plan is your dining room table. We believe people get reached around tables with real conversations with real people. Brittany, who read before this sermon, is a great example. Brittany's husband was a little bit opposed to the things of God and just really coming to appease his wife, like some of you, that's how you got here. And Brittany got invited by a friend, and no doubt, ACC changed their lives. But what I didn't tell you earlier about that story is that there was a girl named Chandler who was friends with Brittany, who told Brittany her story of what God had done that opened the door in the first place for Brittany to be able to be open to the gospel, leading to her husband being open to the gospel. It's not as simple as if I can just get them to church or let's plan ahead for Easter or Christmas, then they might come. No, what what if they were at your table and you were equipped enough to go, here's what the grace of God has done in my heart and life. That's the plan. I am dreaming of what this church will look like when thousands of people become emboldened and empowered to tell their story themselves, even in the smallest ways. Your challenge this week, by the way, is to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to convict you, to tell your story in a way that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. That's the challenge for the whole church. This can happen while you're waiting for your kids to get out of dance in a five-minute conversation with the person next to you. Some of you are laughing because you're like, I do that with you. I'll tell you my story. Um, I mean, it's like it, it doesn't have to be this grand thing. It's this awareness and this readiness to share what God has done that I want us to get to. You have to go back in order to go forward. Personal connections are more impactful than church invitations. And then lastly, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is Revelation 12, where it talks about Christians in their victory over Satan overcome him with two factors, the blood of the lamb. The gospel that we are celebrating every Sunday is a gospel of sacrifice, where Jesus, by his perfect blood, has paid the price for our sins before God so that you can have a right relationship with your heavenly father. You are released from the domain of darkness owned by Satan and bound by sin and you are released into a new life filled with the spirit of God with the promise of forever attached to it. The blood of Jesus has bought a brand new life in Christ for you and for me. But what about the word of the testimony? Why is that in there? Because Christians who are just aware of what the blood has done, but not bold enough to proclaim their story and be a witness, experience a limited amount of freedom over the evil one. Because sin loses its power when what's in the dark comes into the light. And when you and I, not just the people getting baptized, everybody, when you and I get bold enough to go, this is the story of how Jesus has won in and through my life, just articulating it out loud has the capacity to release you from things that are binding you in real time. And some of you have never tasted the joy that comes from looking at another human being and going, I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but I do know that Jesus has changed my life and my story forever. And I'm grateful enough to actually talk to you about it. So may we not be a church that's about to take communion with no intention 
of testifying to what God has actually done. You can get your elements out for communion right now at all of our locations. You can get those out. If you didn't get one on your way in, you can just raise your hand right where you're at. This is for those who have trusted Jesus with their lives. We got some down front if y'all wanna come down here. We remember the body and the blood of Jesus that released us from our bondage to sin. But we're doing this today with the intention of being a bold church on mission for God's glory. Husbands, as always, pray over your wives. Let this word settle into your soul and know that all all of the next steps of getting help on how to do story work and go back, all of those things are coming over time. We just need to sit in the presence of God with the word that was just preached and let the grace of God flow. If you don't know Jesus, today is a great day for your story to change forever and say yes to the grace of God that's on display right here and right now. So take this time to reflect and pray and then we'll sing together in just one second. You are blessed to take communion.